It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension? There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Tom Tiger. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. We're coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network, and podcast on the internet at 3cr.org.au. Both the BZE Community Show and this show are now also available on iTunes and Stitcher, so please subscribe and rate us to help others find the shows. My name is Kira Rendell, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Kay Wenigal. Hi, Kay. Hi, Kira. Hi, listeners. Now, it's a no-brainer that photovoltaics are going to play a major role in our transition to renewables in the future. And recently, the University of Queensland's Australian Institute of Bioengineering and Nanotechnology and School of Chemical Engineering have made a breakthrough in the efficiency of energy capture using quantum dot solar cells. To help us discover what this is all about, we have on the line Dr. Yang Bai from the research team at QU. Hi, Yang. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Kira. Now, firstly, Yang, can you give us a brief overview of this space of emerging solar technologies um, before we dive specifically into quantum dots? Yeah, basically, uh, the, the photovoltaic technology can be classified into three generations. The first, the first generation we are quite familiar with is actually silicon solar cells. So you, basically, you, you can easily find it on the rooftop. And this is also um, the uh, current uh, dominant technology on the market. The second generation comes with a lower cost or uh, thin film uh, solar cells, mainly the CRGS, cadmium telluride thin film solar cells, and also amorphous silicon, which has a, a bit lower power conversion efficiency. And now comes to the next generation, which is also called uh, third generation photovoltaic technology, these type of, uh, you know, new generation solar technology uh, is, is actually based on emerging um, PV um, materials. And, you know, uh, this in- will include like uh, organic, you know, uh, light absorber organic materials, uh, including small molecule or polymers that are sensitive to light absorption. And mm-hmm. also include the recently... Uh, uh, very hot uh, solar materials like uh, uh, halide perovskite materials, and and also uh, the current of what, what we are working on is called quantum dot materials. So, can you tell us a bit more? Thanks, thanks for that overview. Um, what are quantum dots? Yeah, basically, uh, the quantum dots are are very tiny uh, semiconductor particles, normally in a few nanometers in size, um, because uh, this size is is smaller than the uh, exciton bore radius. Uh, either electrons or electron holes will be tightly confined, and because of the, such and, a quantum. Sorry, just to clarify, an exciton is that what's formed when a photon of light is absorbed by the quantum dot material? Actually, the the fo- a photon will be absorbed by the by the quantum dots, uh, which will, you know, with the photon uh, energy absorbed, they will they will generate a electron and a hole pairs 
uh, which is called acetone. And the acetones need to be separated and the transport and diffused to the context to form electricity. Um, yes, okay. Yeah. And uh, just following on, uh, because of uh, such quantum confinement effects, so the quantum dots have uh, optical and electronic properties that differ from bulk materials. And uh, there are, uh, these, uh, these properties can, and can be uh, readily tuned uh, by simply uh, changing their physical dimensions, including size and shape, uh, without the need to break or build chemical bonds as bulk materials. So it sounds like there's a fair bit of work and organisations involved in this developing the quantum dots. How big is your team there, Yang? Pardon? How, how big is your, your research team? Oh, the, the research team. Uh, we, uh, currently we have now around uh, eight people. Uh, this research team is actually led by uh, Professor Lian Zhou Wang, who is a, a laureate fellow, ARC laureate fellow at UQ, uh, and myself. Uh, I mainly uh, work, uh, you know, uh, in charge of some, all the uh, technical details of the team. And we have two postdoc research fellows in the team and a couple of, you know, PhD students mm-hmm. uh, working on this um, project. Okay. And, and are there other teams elsewhere in Australia working on quantum dots? Uh, yes, basically there's there's another team in University of New South Wales, you know, led by Professor Shu um, Huang, who just recently moved to uh, Macquarie, Macquarie University. And uh, I believe there's another research team in Monash University. Uh, they're also working on quantum dots uh, and also uh, for solar cells or LED applications. Great. I wanted to dive, I guess, straight back into the topic of quantum dots. So can you tell us just briefly, how are these materials actually made? Uh, actually, we, we use a very simple solution-based uh, synthetic pro- approach. So basically, we have uh, put you know, the chemical precursors uh, in, in the three-neck glass container, and we, we control the atmosphere like we we put it uh, we controlled it in the nitrogen uh, nitrogen uh, uh, protected environment and the crystallization process is is relatively fast around you know four, uh, five seconds and we just stop the reaction and we can control you know the size the particle size uh, of the materials and uh, after that we use so-called purification process by adding some solvents to extract the particles and, and do the do a little bit of purification, and then we eventually we disperse these uh, nanoparticles uh, in another in another uh, solvent, uh, forming quantum dot ink. So, Yang, you actually you have achieved an increase in efficiency from thirteen point five percent to sixteen point five percent over the previous world record. That's actually a twenty five percent increase, which is quite massive. And you say that it's effectively the difference between quantum dot solar cell technology being an exciting product and being commercially available now. How do you determine that? Okay, that's a good question. Actually, to answer this question, I would like to recall some you know history of the photovoltaic technology development first. I remember in 1960 or 59, I, I can't remember exactly the year, uh, Hoffman Electronics uh, creates the first uh, 10% efficient commercial solar cells. 
um, by introducing the use of a grid contact and reducing the cell's resistance. And, you know, uh, and then I would say that now coming to the, to the modern stage, uh, the majority of the solar panels on, on the market uh, usually range from, uh, usually range from uh, 15 to 17 percent efficiency. Uh, although I, I, I would say that there's uh, uh, also other high uh, efficiency uh, solar panels, but the majority of the uh, solar panels are in this range, 15 to 17 percent efficiency. So, well, there are uh, some over 20, 20 to 23 yeah. percent, I think, aren't they? Uh, 23%. I, I think, uh, yeah, this is the, the highest. Uh, I guess this is 22, 23. This is the highest um, uh, efficiency for some solar panel, and um, but mostly um, below below 20 percent efficiency in solar panel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say that um, you know. Um, Boosting the, the, uh, the efficiency of a quantum dot solar cells from 13 uh, to 16.6%, which is over 15% efficiency, is quite, is quite a promising value for any emerging uh, solar technology. So basically, uh, over 15% efficiency is a major step in the direction of a commercialization. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so could you just tell our listeners a little bit about how your approach or maybe the design of the quantum dots has changed to enable such a, a such an efficiency increase? Yes. So basically, as I mentioned, that uh, the quantum dots are really small in size. That means it has a huge uh, surface area. And I mean, uh, on the surface, there are some numerous uh, uh, defects. So uh, what we did uh, to improve the efficiency is actually proposing a, a simple method to reduce, to substantially reduce the density of a surface defect. So, so in this in this case, and that we successfully uh, improved, uh, you know, the carrier uh, charge carrier mobility and diffusion length, and this uh, allow us to achieve, um, you know. Uh, higher photocurrent and, mm-hmm. and less uh, photovolta- photovoltaic deficit, and compared with the previous, uh, you know, previous um, uh, QD device, we largely improved uh, the quality of the quantum dot materials. And in this case, this is the major reason that we achieve much better efficiency. Mm. So, Yang, are you basically saying that they had a rough surface that? You've you've made it easier for the electrons to transmit through. Uh, one thing is that the the quantum dot surface, uh, as I mentioned, has a lot of uh, um, defects, and and you know during the synthesis of the quantum dots, so actually we we initially re- introduced some uh, uh, large uh, carbon uh, carbon chain ligands, I mean the surface ligands to passivate to passivate the surface of quantum dots. And this uh, surface ligand, this large surface ligand is also uh, important in, in uh, assisting the dispersion of a quantum dots in, in solvents. So this is uh, um, when we so this ligand, just to clarify, is that something that um, you're kind of attaching to the outside of the quantum dot to affect yes. its not only its physical properties but also the the energetic properties as well. So the band gap yes. and things like that. Yes. So this surface ligand has multiple uh, functions. As I mentioned, uh, one thing is that during synthesis, we need to use this large uh, surface ligand to control the uh, groove of the quantum dots. 
uh, and basically to confine uh, the uh, particles in, in very small size. And the second uh, function is that these the, surf, the surface ligands will effectively passivate and uh, some some defects, uh, you know, to prevent and also prevent the degradation of uh, QD uh, exposing to to the air. Mm-hmm. But when we fabricated the device, uh, that means when we integrated this uh, quantum material as the uh, active uh, solar absorber in the device, uh, we we somehow need to reduce uh, relatively to reduce uh, the amount of uh, surface ligands on the on the uh, on the quantum dots, uh, because these these long common chain uh, surface ligands are insul are insulating, so they will prevent uh, the efficient transport. Of, uh, of charge carriers, so in this case, we we need to reduce um, the uh, the amount, make it easier for the charge carrier to trans uh, to diffuse to diffuse and uh, transport uh, in a device. So I think this brings us to an interesting. Um benefit to this kind of technology, which is, as you mentioned earlier, you can actually create a quantum dot ink out of these uh, quantum dots. Can you explain a little bit more about the implications of being able to solubilize these materials? Uh, yes. So basically, uh, as, I mean, as I mentioned, qu- the quantum dot ink is made up uh, by dispersing these quantum dots, I mean, the small nanoparticles. Uh, in, uh, in in one specific uh, uh, solvent, uh, forming a very stable colloidal dis- suspension. Since not, uh, these nanoparticles are already crystalline, so we can uh, directly use this um, quantum ink uh, to form, you know, uh, a function as a film, as as a, a solar absorber or as a light emitting film. And this quantum dot ink can be uh, very easily handled. You know, uh, uh, the quantum dots in the ink can be distributed very easily on any substrate, and by either by spin coating the lab scale or by scale up using using scalable production uh, production techniques such as spray on or row to row printing system. These uh, will dramatically reduce. Uh, the cost of a module, I mean, solar module construction. So if you've just tuned in, we're talking to Dr. Mm. Yang Bei from the Queensland University and we're talking about quantum dots. So, Yang, how do you use it? Do you use it for coating window glass or can you can you print this material? Yes. This quantum dot ink can be, can be used to, to be coated on... Uh, any surfaces we we want. And what for surfaces? Example, uh, yeah, give us some examples. Yeah, for example, uh, we can easily the the solvent is actually um, non toxic and environment friendly, and also uh, easy to evaporate. And uh, we can we can very we, we can coat uh, this quantum dot ink uh, on on glass substrate, like uh, on onto the windows, and to make it to make the window uh, you know functions. As a solar cell, which means it has two functions. When we build the building, we if we use a solar window as our as the uh, building blocks, and uh, on one hand it can pr- it can produce solar electricity uh, by absorbing by absorbing the light in the quantum dots uh, layer, and as this is a uh, also semi semi transparent, it's still 
it still can allow a certain amount of uh, uh, light uh, coming through in, into the building. So it it works um, perfectly as a as a you know a dual functional uh, oh. you know solar window, and uh, we can also deposit this uh, quantum dot ink onto uh, flexible substrate like some plastic surface uh, substrate. Uh, for example, using PET or PN uh, substrate uh, because it. Uh, this process does not require any, you know, heat uh, treatment. Unlike uh, unlike the traditional solar module production, uh, I mean the silicon solar cell, which requires very high temperature uh, process. So in, in our quantum dust uh, solar cell fabrication, we normally do not uh, require any heated uh, heat and kneading process. So it can easily be coated on, on fragile plastic substrates. So uh, we can produce very lightweight solar modules in, in, a, in the future. Yeah, that certainly and opens up can... a lot of different possibilities for where we could see this technology going. Yes. Um, and as of our conversation so far, we've just been focusing on single junction solar cells where the yes. quantum dots formed the absorbing photovoltaic material. But my understanding is that you can actually also pair quantum dot layers with different uh, solar technologies to try to improve their performance in dual multi-junction solar cells. Is that right? Yes, you're right. Uh, uh, that's, uh, uh, that's another uh, you know, beauty of uh, quantum dust materials. And basically, uh, as I mentioned, uh, due to the quantum confinement effect, uh, the uh, band gap, I mean, the band gap uh, can be easily uh, tuned by simply changing the particle size. Uh, of the quantum dots. So, in this case, we can uh, to further to further improve um, the power conversion efficiency beyond the single junction uh, efficiency limit. Normally, we we call Shockley Quasar limit. And that's in, about twenty five percent, right? Uh, that's about thirty to thirty three percent efficiency. So this is for this limit is for traditional single junction solar cells. One effective way to go beyond this limit is to build, you know, multiple junction, uh, multi-junction uh, solar cells. So in this case, for example, if we use quantum dot materials, we can use different, we can build different um, uh, layers of a quantum dot with uh, uh, various you know, band gaps. So, so you can just example, choose whatever band gaps you want and, yes. and layer them accordingly. Yeah, layer by layer. Now, multi-junction, uh, you know, Q QD, uh, quantum dot, uh, so, uh, solar, tandem solar cells can be fabricated uh, in a uh, layer by layer uh, uh, fashion. And we coat, uh, we can, for example, we can, the bottom layer, we can use uh, wider band gap, uh, you know, uh, quantum dot materials, which uh, will absorb, you know, the UV or part of the visible region uh, solar spectrum. And the second layer, on, on top of the wide band gap, we have a slightly uh, lower band gap, which we will cover the rest of the UV region and a little bit about a little bit um, uh, near infrared region. Infrared. Uh, yeah, and if we want to build a triple junction, we can uh, further, uh, you know, reduce um, the band gap of the uh, quantum dots. And then uh, we can further extend the absorption to uh, infrared region. 
in, in this way, we can largely reduce the thermalization loss. And uh, the, uh, theoret- the theoretical efficiency for uh, multiple junction uh, sources is pretty high. And now, for, for some tra- traditional uh, 3.5 uh, solar cell technology, it can, they can reach over um, 40% efficiency by using just using a triple junction uh, design. Wow. And the good the good thing is that um, uh, I mean for traditional uh, tandem solar cells it, it, it requires very strict lattice uh, uh, matching uh, for their um, for their device fabrication. But for quantum dots uh, tandem solar cells, we do not need to care. We do not need to pay attention, pay attention to uh, the you know. Uh, there's no um, problem of lattice matching uh, issue in, in cute, uh, quantum dot tandem solar cells. So. Uh, the the fabrication will be very uh, low cost. That's uh, interesting and, uh, because the current. So my understanding is that the current multi junction solar cells, which mm. we do have on the market, um, but they're not really typically very available to um, consumers because they're so expensive. So these are the types of yes. solar cells that are being sent out to space mm. um, in kind of situations where cost is less of an issue and performance is the most important thing. But you're saying now that we could fabricate these multi-junction solar cells in a much more cost-effective way so they would be more available to consumers. Yes, that's correct. And I, another uh, you know, important feature or important property, uh, uh, unique property of the quantum dots I want to mention is that uh, the quantum dot also has uh, a potential multiple accident generation uh, effect. So, which means that um, uh, by absorbing just one photon, uh, the quantum dot layers can uh, can possibly produce two uh, accidents rather than normally one uh, in in traditional bulk material, bulk solar material, uh, photovoltaic materials. And so that just so means th- that when you absorb one photon of light instead of just having one electron contributing to the current, you could have multiple mm-hmm. electrons contributing yes. to the current. Yes, that's correct. Wow, that's this is another great. way. This is another way, you know, to reduce thermalization process, uh, approaching the theoretical efficient limits. And the thermalization—that's the loss of energy due to a photon being absorbed that has higher energy than the, than the band gap, and so you lose any of that extra energy, right? Mm. Yes, uh, and also for some. Uh, uh, charge carrier phonon uh, interaction and also mm. rec- uh, recommendation of the charge carriers. You know, and uh, this type, uh, this uh, uh, portion of uh, energy will be lost as, uh, uh, you know, uh, thermal energy. So just being um, aware of the time, we're actually running out of time. So I just quickly wanted to ask you, looking forward um, with this technology, where do you see quantum dots going in the future? Uh, in the future, uh, in, in, a short, in a short term, um, uh, I expect that um, the quantum dots and solar cell uh, would further reach uh, around uh, or even beyond 20% uh, by, by further improving the electronic coupling between quantum dots and, then in, and also increase the, diffu- the diffusion length of QD film. And um, uh, in the... To further, you know, as I mentioned, to further uh, boost the efficiency over uh, the the traditional uh, efficient limit for single junction uh, devices, we uh, definitely will go uh, multi multi junction uh, quantum dot tandem solar cells, 
and and also try to in, in, increase the multiple accident generation effects in the device. And for for future technology, we we need to uh, go uh, flexible and lightweight uh, fashion, and we yeah. we. Uh, we talk it on the you know that's, the niche that's market. That's fantastic, Yang. Um, we've totally run out of time now, so thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. My pleasure. We've been speaking to Dr. Yang Bei from University of Queensland's Australia Institute for Bioengineering and Nanotechnology. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the climate change solutions think tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the community radio network. Previous episodes of the show are available on iTunes and Stitcher, so please subscribe to help others find the show. If you enjoy the program and can donate to help cover airtime costs, please go to the BZE website and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening and we look forward to you joining us again next week. Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.